0: Hello, you are listening to The Power of Investing in People with Shay Sparks. I had the honor of being on the show with Shay, and wow, how authentic she is and how much I know that she wants to keep hope alive in the community. So thank you all for joining. And everyone here today, I'm offering a special to all active duty or retired military to my all access on demand training where we learn how to dream, believe and achieve our best life. Please visit at timlanefitness.com, and I'll see you all soon. Enjoy the show.
1: From working in his family's concrete business to becoming the leader he is today, Mike Searock has taken setbacks in life and converts it into rocket fuels as a leader in the mortgage industry, coach, podcaster, speaker, and now author with his first book titled Rocket Fuel. His wisdom is converting everything that was designed to stop me or stop the average-minded person into rocket fuel for the future to store it in my tank and not in my trunk. If it's stored in your trunk, it will weigh you down, and if you store it in your tank, you will convert it into fuel. Wow. Stay tuned for his inspiring story. Welcome to the Power of Investing in People podcast, and today, my guest is the incredible Mike Searock. Welcome to the show, Mike.
0: What's up, Shay? Thanks for having me. Um, I always start every interview that I'm on. I try to do this every single time with gratitude. Uh, because it really means a lot to me that you invited me on your show and the fact that people want to hear my voice uh, is very humbling. So uh, thank you so much for having me and I look forward to sharing with your audience.
1: Well, and the reason I had to have you on the show is because thank you for connecting with me on LinkedIn. So I'm so glad that you reached out several months ago and we're finally here today.
0: Yeah. And you know, there's power in reaching out and connecting with people. People have everything you need. So I know that. And so that's why I do it. And it's never failed me yet.
1: Mm, I love it. And I love the, um, well, I'm just going to dive in and tell people who you are because I, there might be just a one or two in the world that might not know who you are, uh, Mike. So Mike Crock is the CEO of people building incorporated and the powerhouse behind what are you made of movement he is a performance coach, author, dynamic speaker, visionary, and thought leader, and he is um, just an amazing, amazing human being. So I cannot wait for us to dive in. So along those lines, what you were just talking about of connecting with people, I always ask like, like to ask the first question of what does investing in people mean to you?
0: Uh, well, you know, investing in people, I always think starts with investing in yourself because we each are a People or a person. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and I think that's so important because when you invest in someone, you're building them to a, a situation that they can't like lose that, whatever you put into them and or into yourself. And you know, people building is a company that I started because I believe in building people and finding people's strengths and and putting rocket fuel on their strengths and or finding their weaknesses and finding out which ones we can improve upon or get someone else to take care of. And so I believe in that a hundred percent. I think that's the, the way I operate every day is I wake up in the morning. And I feel like I'm a people builder at heart or an mm. investor, And, uh, you know, so I, yeah, that's, that's the way I look at it. And I, I, I don't think anything great can happen without people.
1: That's so true. And that's, you know, really why the reason I have, I asked that question one, I always get a different answer. Everybody has a different answer, but I love what you said. You, it starts with investing in yourself first And for me, I say you invest in yourself first and it just automatically overflows onto your your business, your life, your family, your community. Right. Um, So I love that. And I love that you um, your brand is around rocket fuel because mine is around fire. (laughs) (laughs)
0: Love it. Like the shirt, right?
1: (laughs) Yes, 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 exactly. So tell us about rocket fuel and how that lights you up every day.
0: Well, so I'll give you a little backstory. Um, I came from a broken home. I don't remember my parents ever together. So, um, And I'm by the way, I'm not telling this to make you feel bad for me. This is uh, just to give you a backstory of where Rocket Fuel came from. But um I lived with my dad for three years from eight to 11. After living with my mom and doing the every other weekend thing with my dad, I decided to try my dad's house out because he was getting remarried and they talked me into moving. So I did it. And for three years, I went through a lot of emotional and psychological abuse. There mm-hmm. were some issues. There was a lot of conflict going on between step parents and all that. And sure, as a kid, you're sitting there watching this stuff and you're just not sure what part you have in it and whether it's normal or not. I mean, I really thought it was an ordinary life. I thought this is what you're supposed to deal with. Yeah. But when I turned 11, I realized that this is not an environment conducive to happiness. It's not the, the you know, I didn't know the word conducive, of course, at 11, right. but um. <laughs> I just realized that I needed to figure out a way to exit. And I told my mom about the story. She said, you know what? That's not normal. You shouldn't be living in that. You shouldn't be putting up with that. And from there, she filed court papers. And she said, if I do file these court papers, though, you need to stick to your guns. Mm. Because when you believe in something and somebody else has a different agenda, they're going to try to talk you out of it. Mm. And also, if you do good in life and you start advancing, people are going to try to pull you back down to where they are to justify themselves subconsciously Mm. of why they are where they are. So you need to stick to your guns. I t- Shay, I took that literally and became stubborn yeah. all my life. Wow. And I used to be called stubborn and hard-headed and all this and to me that's a good thing because stubborn's not the wrong thing when it's on the right thing. If you look at the word right. stubborn in the dictionary, the definition there's two words that go in the definition, it's perversely unyielding. Hmm. And if you want to get something in life and you are perversely unyielding towards it, you're going to darn get it. So hmm. With that in mind, when my dad got served court papers after wa- I was waiting days for that to happen, I came home from school and he told me to go to my room. My dad was my hero. He had his own masonry business. He laid block and poured concrete and all that. And he had big forearms and rough hands, and always carried a wad of hundred dollar bill around, hundred dollar bills around in his pocket with a rubber band around it. And I always looked up to him for that. He was my hero, man. I thought like it was so awesome. He worked so hard. And well, when he found out about the the move, he questioned me about it. And I remember sticking to my gun. So I did, didn't really discuss it. I said, yes, this is what I want to do. And he said, well, if that's the case, and he takes the watt hundred dollar bills out, peels one off, crumples it up and throws that at me and says, you're going to need this when you're living on the streets with your mother one day.
1: Ooh.
0: And um, the thing about that is, is that, you know, I was reminded right before that, that my, my mom didn't have it that well. She was poor. My dad had everything. And the, Why do I want to move and leave that area, you know, that house where I had everything? And what it came down to, obviously, was not being treated a certain way. And, you know, that reminded me as I grew up to really be conscious of the people you surround yourself with. Mm -hmm. We hear it all the time, but I lived it. Yeah. So when I left, I moved in with my mom and my stepfather, George, stepped in. He was my mentor uh, until two years ago. He passed away suddenly from a heart attack. But uh, I was very fortunate to have my stepfather in my life to show me right from wrong and what a father should be. And so anyway, uh, for my whole life for 30 some years, I was living off that moment when my dad threw that money at me. And I've, i I was trying to real, like really try to figure out why my graphs kept going up in life. Like if you look at a line graph, a successful line graph gradually goes up in anything, in, in any area you're trying to work on. Yeah. And I tried to figure this out two years ago. Cause I just, when George passed away, I was trying to self-analyze like why, no matter what happens to me in my life, do I keep rising? Mm. And I found out it was that I was converting everything that was designed to stop me or stop the average minded person into rocket fuel for my yeah. future. Yeah. Store it in my tank and not in my trunk. Because if you store it in your tank, it's going to weigh you down and in your tank, you can convert it into fuel. So I was always trying not to get past or get, get back to the place where I was before a setback. I wanted to blast off through it because getting back to the same spot was no interest to in me. So resiliency is really not a powerful enough word for this concept. So I called it rocket fuel, and that's where it came from. So I wrote a book about it.
1: (laughs) I love it. I love it. I love it. And you know, there's so many nuggets that you just talked about. I just want to pick out one. Um, One of the things you said about
0: your dad was one abusive, right? And well, let me clarify. It wasn't my dad. He 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 allowed it to happen, but. It wasn't necessarily my dad doing it, so I'll just leave it at that.
1: Okay, got it. You were around abuse, right? Yeah. So as children, we kind of learn that that's normal behavior. That's how love is shown. We really don't know. And then your dad stepped in with the money aspect to manipulate you, or trying to manipulate you to to not so you wouldn't turn your life around, turn your back on him. So you wouldn't turn your back on him and go to your mom because in his mind, you being there was love, right?
0: Yeah. I mean, I'm sure he was hurt by it. And maybe, you know, just again, I I don't, I don't ever tell that story to bash my parents or anything like that. I don't know what was going on in the whole story. Um, I just know that I use it for my perception. Would that happen? I use the fuel. That's not happening. I'm going further and it just works for me. And, um, but yeah, I'm sure he was definitely felt betrayal, you know? Sure.
1: Sure. Well, and I so this is why I love having this podcast and and being able to talk to amazing, interesting people like yourself, because so many times we have come across an obstacle and we can either let it stop us or propel us. And that's exactly what you did. I love that you said you put it in your tank and not in your trunk to weigh you down. So from 11 years old on, you've been on this constant up amazing hill. I won't even say battle like uh, growth. Right. Mm-hmm. And so, what other obstacles got in your way? And did you, how did you refocus that into rocket fuel, like you say, to propel you forward? Because I'm sure well, in high school, you probably did too, right?
0: Well, yeah. So, moving around a lot as a kid, you know, I, I grew up in an elementary school, where there was a lot of Latino kids, and I hung out with Latino kids. There's more, more Latino kids like from Puerto Rico and Mexico. And I hung out with them. I thought I was part of their crew. And uh, when I moved, when I was 11, I moved into an area that was mainly uh, white kids and then there was African-American kids and I hung out with the African-American kids at first, thought I was, that's what I was supposed to do. (laughs) I didn't know any different. And then I got my, my butt whooped a couple of times and I just couldn't figure that out. Like, why is that? I I was like, I've always been in like a really like friendly kid and, and, uh, you know, just wanting to help people and and this and that. And then it would, it boggled my mind why, that happened i couldn't figure that out so but you know what i just i just never i never sucked it in as far as like looked internally and said you know you're doing something wrong if you're doing something right and people don't react the right way the best thing to do is go further into what doing what you're doing if you know it's the right thing if you're ethical and moral and you're extroverting and giving love and attention and trying to help people and they don't take it the right way just go find more people Mm. um so yeah i mean that's something that i dealt with and then as i got older um and I went to, into, the, into the business world. I worked at a company for 12 years and built a company for an owner who ended up stealing from us. And at the end of the oh. day when that happened, I could have went to court with it. I could have you know, been miserable and all that, but you know, it didn't feel good at the time. But what I chose to do was gather my team, 22 employees, my partners, and say, guys, look, this, we're going to go kick some ass now. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to cuss on here if I'm not sure, but that's okay. But we're going to go kick some ass now and we're going to make it happen. And we're going to show them what we're made of. Like mm-hmm. this is not this, this ain't going to, we're going to show them with success. yeah. And so it's, then it does, it's not about them. It's more about us and and accomplishing things. So we did that. And it took us, what took us seven years. The first time took us two years to get back to, a uh, uh, you know, a, uh, eight figure revenue company. And so, uh, you know, the, the rocket fuel concept that I have is a law. It works if you implement it. Mm.
1: So true. And to me, it, it's just mindset, right? It, yeah. You can take the yeah. things that, you know, have come against you. And like I said, you can, so many people will get, you know, stuck into alcohol. I did, you know, I grew grow up and I was a teenage alcoholic. Or you can, you know, get in that um despair of, well, I can't. I'm not good enough. I can't do it because nobody else has done it. No one I know has done it. So, you know, I can't get out of this neighborhood. Right. But instead, Mm -hmm. you really saw an opportunity instead of the mindset of fixed. Right. You saw the growth opportunity and and used it. So did you always want to. So you worked for a company. But before that, you could have went and worked with concrete with your dad at some point, I'm assuming. So what what shifted there? What made you decide to go in the other direction?
0: Uh, you know, I did, I worked for my grandfather and uncles. They had the uh, masonry company too, stucco and plaster and all that jazz. And I did that for summer times and when I needed some money when I was younger. Um, but I just, yeah, look, I just knew that I was, I just, I've always felt like I'm destined for something great. I don't know. I didn't know what it was specifically. Um, but I just knew that something was out there for me to do, to impact the world. And I it wasn't concrete and stucco and all that stuff. So, um, but you know, uh, I, I think that, Self talk is really important. Um, you talked about self talk. I can't get out of here. I can't get this. I can't get that. I've always gotten everything I want in life because I've been perversely unyielding towards it. And it's just the, the fact that I'm out of the matter. Not like a spoiled kid, but I go get it. If I don't yeah. want to be somewhere, I don't. I don't be somewhere. If I want to go somewhere, I go somewhere. Um, you know, if I want to be around certain people, I am. If I'm not, I, I kill it. I do what I got to do to do what I want to do ethically because I have a grand mission to help people. And I, ha- I want to help hundreds of millions of people. This isn't a game to me. It's like a, it's a serious thing that I take very seriously. And if something's stopping me and getting in my way, I I have a tendency to remove all obstacles. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I mean, uh, uh, you know, I have a saying: thrust is a must. Um, <laughs> it's a little funny uh backstory to that because my partners didn't like when I came up with it at first because I think either their wives or somebody they were asking about it, they said it had a sexual innuendo. Innuendo. And I I said, well, you know what? That's okay because thrust is a must is a great saying. It means something. And if people take it that way, sex gets attention. So that's what we're looking for for this message. Anyway, we want attention. So I said, Mm -hmm. I went with it. So we had shirts made and everything. (laughs) Thrust is a must. So
1: I love it. That's awesome. So take me to how you you started your business. You built up your brand in two years. What made you decide to go, okay, so if I can do this, I can also write a book. I can also be a speaker. I can also be a coach. Uh,
0: Well, you know, I think I see other people doing it, and I think I can do that. If they can do it, I can do it. That's what Mm -hmm. goes through my head, um, just being transparent with you. Yeah. Um, But, you know, at the end of the day, really what happened, um, you know, we had a successful mortgage business, but then two years ago when I started this mission of what are you made of and people building and the Rocket Fuel book, George passed away. And, and let me tell you the story about George real quick. George was my stepfather. Wasn't the best at going to get money and finding money, but he could stretch money. But he told me right from wrong. He told me about reading. And, and when you read, it's important to look words up. Most of the time when you quit books or quit studying something, it's because you didn't understand something that you just passed. And so he taught me, you know, if, you, if, if I asked him what a word meant, he'd say, go look it up. And I'd say, what do you mean? You can't just tell me what the word means? He'd say, no, go look it up. And we had the Webster dictionary books. It wasn't Google. Oh, yeah. Right. Or Alexa. And uh, I would go look the word up and it would help me get through books and it helped me learn. And he taught me. Oh, I said Alexa, and she's she's talking. <laughs> <laughs> Gotta be careful there. Um, so but the other thing is is that George had passion. Like he he hmm. would be real quiet in a party, and then somebody would bring up baseball, fishing, hunting, crabbing, which would they do in Maryland here. Um, and he would jump off the couch and get all fired up and animated and deep voice. Like, and you know, that passion, when he passed away two weeks after he passed away, I felt something come inside of me that I never had before. And it, like, I had this mission that I was wanting to help people, but all of a sudden this passion came in. And it's like, I can, I can do whatever I want one. And I have the energy to do it. And I don't, the only time I get really tired is like right before bed, when I lay down to watch a movie with my wife or TV for a little bit before I go to bed, I'm out. <laughs> When I'm out, I'm out. And then I get up seven, eight hours of sleep, and then I'm up again ready to rock. And that's a passion that George had. It came into me. I, I don't expect people to believe that, and I don't really care if they do. I'm just sharing what I experienced. I believe his soul and spirit and, and passion came into me. And uh, the other thing, Shay, I will tell you, um, I believe in – You know, people have to apologize for their beliefs, and I think that's a shame. But I believe in God, and I believe in a all all-powerful, omnipotent all powerful God. And he put us all here on this planet with unlimited potential. And that unlimited potential uh, allows us to accomplish whatever we really decide to, to accomplish. And if we don't do that, to me, it's the biggest travesty and wasted opportunity. And it's disrespectful to the, to the creator that put us here. And I think that we're very naive when we start limiting ourselves and our beliefs and our using our words and all that. Um, I think we're very naive to think that we're, we're limited with the, with the fact that, so that's my belief. Uh, I live it. And I, and I've seen too much not to believe that. And just because other people don't believe that doesn't mean it's not true. And so when I wake up in the morning, my job is to go after my potential. Hmm. And I don't even know what it is, but just keep going. And, uh, now I'm trying to get other people to do that and share it with them and help them. And, uh, so that's what it's all about.
1: I love, love, love it. Thank you for sharing that story. And, and I will say the my listeners are mostly, um, you know, maybe they're going to be a small business owner. Maybe they've been in the military and they're transitioned out. Um, but most of them I know have faced some sort of obstacle. And a lot of times it stops them, right? And so I love how you're really talking about finding that passion. Now you, it was just energetically given to you. For me, I help um, through my coaching is I help people find their passion and what that looks like and really kind of peel away the layers that we are as a person, right? The onion that we are and really dive in to figure that out. They invest in themselves and find that. Yeah. And and I know exactly what you're talking about, be <laughs> About, like, literally, you're so passionate, you can't wait to get up and get started. That's how I am every single day. That's why I'm the chief excitement officer, because I'm just excited about life. And I get excited when I help when I see other people succeed, right? Or they have that aha moment, or they've learned something new about themselves. Like that makes me excited. Yeah. So if you are, if you, um, if you had to give any advice on about finding that passion, because, um, and I want to talk about how yours came energetically in a minute, but to talk to anyone who's listening, who are like, well, you know, I, I, I'm okay where I'm at. I'm in a nine to five. I'm happy. The bills are paid, but there's something missing. How do you, what, what advice would you tell them to find that passion?
0: All right. So first of all, very important to understand just getting by is selfish. Uh-huh. It's unethical. Uh, and what I mean by that is ethics has a meaning of something that is designed that goes towards survival. Just getting by is not going towards survival because if one bad thing happened, which bad things happen to good people, one bad thing happens and you're done. You're not surviving anymore. You're not just getting by anymore. And so people, a lot of times have a problem with abundance or greed. They think it's greedy and what have you. That's not, they're, they're missing the point. They're missing the point because you need abundance for, to guarantee survival. And that's what we're all here for. We're here to solve problems and survive. And so if somebody's saying uh, the nine to five, they're doing a 95, something's missing. At the end of the day, really what it comes down to is you feel off because you're not accomplishing and chasing your potential at something. And so you need to figure that part out. And what I normally do is I think about being somewhere and a lamp is given to me with a genie in it in a desert or something, Right. I don't want to be in a desert, but let's just say I found a genie lamp. Yeah, that genie comes out and screw three wishes. You you get as many wishes as you want, right? Yeah, but start with start with a few and say you know what you want and no limitations. Figure out what you want. Like sky's the limit. It, there's no limit. What do you want in a perfect world? Because here's the problem: most people and you, the reason you're coaching and having to coach people with this is they. If you ask them the question, they don't know the answer to it. What they want, right? And then they're like, "Well, how do I figure that out? Well, what would make you?" Like unbelievably happy and jump out of bed every morning and so fired up and what who do you want to do it with? Where do you want to be uh you know that that's that's the questions that people have to ask themselves and come up with it, and once they do, if you ask, you shall receive, and that's the problem people just aren't asking, so they got to ask of themselves um, they can pray or meditate on it, and then they'll get the answer in the meantime though, in the meantime though, it's very important to make sure you still have money coming in to pay your bills. And that what that means is sometimes you may have to do a job that you don't really necessarily like and get excited about, but you have to do it. You have to you have to go to work and make things happen to take care of you and your family until you can monetize your passion. And so many people I see quit and then they struggle and then are like, "I I'm too stressed out to chase this this entrepreneurial passion that I have." But it's because they put themselves in a situation where they didn't have money coming in to pay their bills. So I like to get whatever I'm doing in whatever vehicle I'm in. I like to make sure which mortgages was for me. Mm -hmm. And to be quite honest with you, I'm not a fan of the mortgage business. Like I know it, I've worked in it for years. It's just not what I, but I built a large uh, organization in this company, nation's lending with 40 employees with my best friends and my little brother. And I put people in places to run the day-to-day operations so that the money would still flow. I made sure the flow was constant so that I could go explore and do other things that align with that business. And uh, so, despite not liking it, it's thriving. Uh, we work on the business, we focus on the people. And then I go out and do people building and the podcast and the, the book and all that uh, while the business is running. Mm,
1: love it. Love it, love it, love it. Yeah. I, and I'm right there with you. I mean, I have a salon, right? And I've done that for 20 plus years. And I've had a passion for it most of my life. And now it's like, okay, my body doesn't have a passion for it anymore. So what is it that I really like about that? So maybe you're sitting there at your desk listening to this and you're like, okay, I'm there. I I like it, but I just have kind of lost interest. And I'm going to ask you is to really figure out what it is that you like about it. For me, I loved having the conversations with my clients. Love it. I love helping them solve, solve their challenges and so it was just an easy transition when people started saying to me, like, you should be a coach, you should be a speaker. Right. Yeah. Right. right.
0: Yeah, and it well.
1: yeah. And so I I know that um, Mike, you've experienced this as well. People have come into your life that speak life into you. Right. So can you give us an example of anything that that has happened?
0: So, uh, you know, like mentors and things?
1: Yeah, like, mentors are things, yeah. or even like, <laughs> even somebody on the, you just meet for a brief moment. And next thing you know, you're like, wow, I hadn't, I hadn't thought about that, but now I'm going to dive into a little bit more.
0: Man, I mean, I, I the last two years journey that I've been on has just been, I've had so many people do that with me. Like I've had so many people. So if I had to pick one though, I mean, you know, I, I, I talk about Grant Cardone a lot. Because he's a mentor of mine and meant so much to me when George passed away. My stepfather, um, I read the 10x rule right after that. And mm-hmm. Grant spoke to me for for a period of time, like you went through in high school and college. I got into alcohol, drugs, and chasing women. <laughs> they weren't chasing me, they're chasing me too, but no, but but just doing like things that 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 really weren't building me, you know? And mm-hmm uh, I, I was getting around some people then, and I was taking what they would say and then introverting and looking inside and then not like being myself and extroverting and helping people as much. And so when I read that 10 X rule, it spoke to me and I, I looked at it. And I'm like, dude, this is because, because by the way, when I got out of college, I went to, uh, into the job world, I tried to extrovert again. Right. And then I felt bad because I felt like people weren't taking me the right way. If I started talking about thinking bigger or talking the right way, or, goal setting. You'd hear people like, ah, yeah, you know, this and that. And then I'm like, well, is this the right thing to do? Like, am I crazy? Am I crazy to want more? Am I crazy to want to go big? Like what? And so those questions start leading you to, to pull back. Mm-hmm. When I read the 10X rule, I'm like, okay, wait a minute. This guy's talking to me. He's mm-hmm. telling me to go bigger. Don't apologize for anything. You go big, be around the people that want you to go big. And the people that don't want you, they'll have to go somewhere. And then when you get successful, they'll come back around and you could decide if you want them in your life mm-hmm. or not. And so I started reading that and it validated my feelings and then I just turned into an animal. Well, I actually unleashed the animal that I already had inside of me to go after what I want, to do whatever I want to like, you know, think big, go big. And the people that are around you will go away if they can't handle it. And then the people that you want around you will start attracting to you. Now, just last night, I'm in Clubhouse, right? I don't know if you're familiar with Clubhouse Mm -hmm. yet or not. Mm -hmm. And I started a room on Sunday evenings at 7 p.m. Eastern. It's called Launchpad. And we did it for a few weeks, and then all of a sudden, this week, talking about attraction and thinking big, and all of a sudden, I start having people popping into the room. That um, I hear like a thunder or something. It's kids upstairs. Sorry about that. Um, I, I started having people come into the room like Olympic gold medalists, world record holders, mm. uh, platinum uh, singing artists, um, best-selling authors, big business people. Um, I mean, it's just starting to attract the right people. And then the people, what I'm also seeing in my life right now, to be quite honest and transparent, is people that are in my life that aren't thinking big and don't want to go on this journey. They're falling by the wayside. Hmm. In our company, we're losing people that, you know, normally in the past we think they're great employees, but we're going to like another level, and maybe they just don't feel like going on the journey. And so, sometimes that's hard for people to see people around them that they've used had around them for so long go away, but. When you're successful, they'll come back. Hmm. But you got to make sure that you go be successful.
1: Yes. So, wow, wow, wow. Yes, yes, yes. I love this because I've been thinking that way since I was 19 and didn't even know I was thinking that. And then as soon as I got... You know, I think at some point, uh, a certain level, that's when I met an ex, a boyfriend at the time who was abusive, my mindset shrunk again. And now since I've been uh, away from that situation, it is just amazing to me to see exactly what you're talking about. When you start to think bigger, you attract better. And when you attract better, the people who don't think that way will fall away. However, they will also stay close enough to watch because you're inspiring them. They don't even know it, but you're inspiring them. So you talked about God earlier, and I'm, I'm going to share something to our listeners because I just feel like this is just the right thing to say. So think about in the Bible when they talk about Noah, right? Noah was given a dream, given a purpose, given a passion, and it took him how long to build a, this humongous boat, oh, right? A, this humongous boat when they had never had rain in, ever. And, went, and everybody's like, what are you talking about? being a flood. Right. What are you talking about? And look what happened. He listened. He stayed the course. He may have had people, uh, you know, naysayers along the way, haters along the way. And he kept going. And it wasn't just a small thing. It was 10 times the size. Right. And he continued and he did amazing things. And I really feel like what happened to you uh, with your stepdad is what happens to uh, all of us when we accept Jesus into our life. And I'm not, listeners, I am not having church right now, but I'm just say, explaining my uh perspective. So anybody who's studied the book of Acts, they know that- in oh, the, Hold
0: uh, on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Don't apologize. <laughs> don't apologize. If the people, listen, <laughs> listen, we want the people around us that we want around us. I mean, let's let's. Yes, this. yes. You no, know, if somebody doesn't know how to take that the, and they take it the wrong way, they need to go somewhere where they feel more comfortable, I guess. And if they're not, you know, if they don't want to stretch and learn and- So anyway, I'm sorry.
1: No, I I, thank you for saying that. And I will say, look it up so you can get your own perspective. But for me, you know, I I was in a Bible study where we studied the book of Acts for literally a year and a half, verse by verse. And I feel, I believe without a shadow of a doubt that when Jesus came back after he um, died on the cross and he came back and he went to the disciples in the upper room and he had the hole in his hand and the hole in his side and he said, I am here to give you the Holy Spirit, and he breathed a breath of fire, which is one of the reasons that's why my business is called that, right? Sparks of Fire. He breathed a breath of fire, and he said, go, scatter, and share the good news. Now, here's what the good news is. The good news is exactly, Mike, what you're talking about, is how you have taken step by step by step overcome every adversity that's coming your way, every obstacle that showed up, you did not go small. You did not continue to hang around maybe the wrong crowd, so to speak, and make bad bad choices. You put it in your tank to use it as fuel and not in your trunk to weigh it down, which I love that. I'm going to quote you forever for that one. And you are a testament. Your life is a, a story. Your life is a witness for other people to do the same. So you're absolutely right that people have a responsibility. They have a duty, right? As a parent, they have a duty. As a person in this world, they have a duty to now go out and spread their good news because they have an opportunity to to inspire others. So I'm so glad that you've done what you've done.
0: Yeah, thank you. Thank you. And too many times uh, people... Don't realize, even if they're not in a leadership position, we're all leaders. We're all role models. Yes, when we wake yes. up in the morning, we don't feel like doing something. You got to do it anyway because people are watching. And the other thing as far as leading goes, when you're trying to help someone and they react the wrong way, they get their feelings hurt or something. You know, there's a quote that I read and I, I put it up on social media the other day and it was just so powerful. Um, by the way, I, I'm, I'm a Christian. You know, I, I go to church. But I do like to read uh, into other religions and, and other things. And I'm not even sure how Scientology is a religion. But I just read L. Ron Hubbard books because I'm just intrigued by the mind. And I just saw an, uh, a quote. And, you know, that's another thing. Like, you, you'll get people, like, questioning your faith, questioning your, your beliefs, questioning what you do. And they're not even worried about what they're doing. Right. Um, but this quote was, beware of putting someone in a leadership position that is afraid of hurting someone's feelings. Mm-hmm. This is not a virtue. But a form of cowardice and propitiation and denotes a fear of people. People are not so easily hurt as such persons believe. So I have uh, you know, a large organization that I run, and sometimes, especially my leadership, my leadership team, like I'm calling them out and like saying, Hey guys, this is what we need to do. Respectfully, of course, but like stretching them, challenging them. Yes. If they're not talking the right way, letting them know about it. And I can't be worried about their feelings being hurt. That's not That shouldn't stop me. But so many people don't hold others accountable because they're worried about what they think. They're worried about hurting their feelings. And really, the people's feelings, they might get hurt, but they'll they'll get over it. And if they're meant to be in your life, in an organization, or whatever it is, they're going to step up to the challenge. Otherwise, they're going to show themselves as the people that they really are, which they're not willing and uh, up for the challenge.
1: Well, I think that's a perfect example of a great coach, right? You're willing to lead with respect, and still, um, you know, maintain who you are, regardless of, you know, if their feelings are hurt or not, but still able to coach them along the way to be able to, you know, make a better impact in what you're doing in your project.
0: Right. But it's important to know, understand the part of, as the leader, that you, it, it is a, you're, you're being a coward if you're not going to help someone because you're worried about hurting their feelings. Take that on. Take that responsibility.
1: Uh, agreed. And uh, what I'm saying is that there's leaders who do it from uh, the front of the room, and there's leaders who do it from the back of the room and beside the people, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So there's definitely a way of leading that you get to choose. However, I will also Mm -hmm. say I'm so glad you brought up everybody's a leader in some way, shape, or form, even if they don't think they are.
0: Yep, yep, 100%. Like everybody in our organization, we focus on leadership abilities and leadership development. So.
1: So before we got started, we talked about some amazing opportunities for you. So um, you can talk about that or not talk about that, but I know you have this awesome book that's come out. So what's next for Mike Searock? What's next for you?
0: Well, the book's coming out here. It should be out February. I don't know when this is releasing, but February, it's available. MikeSearock.com forward slash book. Rocket Fuel will tell you some stories and anecdotes about my life and how I came up with this concept And if you read the book and implement it in your life, it'll change your life and it will make you first feel unstoppable and then be unstoppable. And Grant Cardone wrote the forward for the book. He shared what Rocket Fuel means to him and his life and his business. Very powerful stuff uh, with the fact of him getting to the level that he's gotten to. Uh, But the next thing from there, we're going to build off of this. We're going to have coaching programs. We're going to have masterminds off of the Rocket Fuel concept, clubhouse rooms, all that jazz, and then The other thing I mentioned earlier is the tech product. We're working on a tech product right now uh, that has to do with, you know, entrepreneurship and people building that um, I believe, based on what I looked at, is going to be worth billions of dollars. And that means in order to be worth billions of dollars, it's going to have to help millions of people. And so that's what I'm excited about.
1: Mm, I love it. Love it. Love it. I can't wait to see it. (laughs) <laughs> so you have uh, this awesome company where you're building up people. And, uh, so I'm curious, what would you want to be remembered for? What do you want to be your legacy?
0: Well, you know, I think that I say this a lot. I, this question does come up often. And I think that really what I want to, uh, I want people to feel like my heroes have made me feel, and when I'm in the darkest spots and somebody came and and was there for me and or showed me the way and gave me hope, that's what I want, that feeling that I had. I want to share that with people. And so, you know, I think that it's important that we watch what we say and how we talk about ourselves and what we think of ourselves. And, you know, I like to encourage people to go back to being a kid and use their imagination. And I feel like I'm a superhero. Like I want to be a superhero like when I was a kid and I want to be that for people. Not for myself, like ego, oh, I'm a superhero, like Superman, but no, it's more about like the power that you have to help people and make them feel great inside, man, and advance them and help them go for their potential. So I think that's what it for, is for me. I love it. Thank you.
1: And how can people get connected to you? You're, you mentioned your your website earlier about the book, but are you on social media? All of that.
0: Yeah. So uh, my favorite is LinkedIn. I'm um, not LinkedIn. LinkedIn's good. But my favorite's Instagram, uh, Mikey C-Rock, C-R-O-C, Mikey C-Rock. If you go on there and DM me, um, I'll answer all my DMs. I have a great following on there and also Clubhouse. I've been on a Clubhouse a lot. I love Clubhouse. I love the uh, opportunity to be able to share live. Um, so you can come find me at Mikey C. Rock there on Clubhouse as well as people are getting into the app slowly but surely. And uh, those are the best ways to find me though.
1: Okay, great. Thank you. And please mention your website again.
0: MikeCrock.com. Okay. Mike forward slash book.
1: Got it. And it's been an honor and a pleasure to have you here. So thank you so much for your time. I know you're super busy. And I I like to finish with this question of what phrase, scripture or mantra are you living by right now?
0: I have a couple of them, but I I always say thrust is a must and remove all obstacles.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I love it. Thrust is a must. I love it. Well, thank you so much for being here and thank you to our listeners for tuning in.
0: Thank you, Shay. Appreciate it. Hey,
1: don't turn this off just yet. Does the thought of collaborating and connecting with a diverse group of creative thought leaders appeal to you? Do you have a compelling story and don't know where to start? Have you ever thought about writing a book and thought about writing the whole book is overwhelming? Well, we are looking for you. We want to connect and collaborate with other podcasters, coaches, and entrepreneurs who want to gain exposure. We are looking for other people who want to co-author a book with us. You can find out more details at firestartersbookproject.com.